Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday evening chapel. We are here trusting in the Lord. Amen. It is a joy to have special guests with us this evening, uh, Reverend Chris Hain. He's a pastor at Epic Church in Parker, Colorado. He is here with our, his family. Let's welcome him. <laughs> Reverend Hain is a graduate of NBC uh, 2001. So thank you, Reverend Hain, for blessing us tonight. He's going to help us hear from the Lord. Let's stand with me as we worship. This first song we're going to sing, it's basically a song about salvation. And it comes from Galatians chapter 1, where Paul writes, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So let us worship. the 
lift up our eyes to the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes, you're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes.
I know that uh, Jonathan has already uh, mentioned about Chris being here tonight. I'm really thankful that he came down. I, I just wanted to say a couple things uh, about Chris. I, I first met Chris in um, Lakeland, Florida, where he was on staff at uh, a wonderful Nazarene church down there, a growing, dynamic Nazarene church. And uh, he felt the call to come back to Colorado and plant a church. And really, he's on his second plant right now. And, uh, and uh, Chris, come up just a minute. Uh, Chris is, he's, he's one of us. You know that? He's one of us. He's one of our alums. And we're very proud of Chris and how God is using him. And uh, he just told me, he, I don't know if you're going to say any of this tonight. Knowing Chris, he probably wouldn't tell you this. But uh, was it two years ago you started Epic? Yeah, year. almost two years ago. Two years ago, we started Epic Church, and uh, he just told me that the building there met, they ran out of chairs Sunday. Just flat ran out of chairs. And uh, no, we only have twelve, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but uh, God is is honoring. He's really honoring Chris's uh, faithfulness, and and we love you friend and, and we're so thankful that, that you're here to share not only with us but you'll be sharing with with uh, friends of NBC, alumni of NBC awesome. and students of NBC awesome. literally around the world through the internet and uh, we love you buddy Thanks. and we're so proud of you. you. I, I'm so thankful for what God's doing there. I, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just it, don't you just want to say amen. Amen. Love you amen. man. Thank you. Thank you Dr. Graves. Um, you know, driving, driving up here uh, tonight from Parker, I tell you, we get on campus, it's like coming home. I'm telling you guys, when we rolled up here in 1996, um, on a cold November day, <laughs> leaving Tucson, Arizona, I'd been a firefighter for about eight years, just cruising along, great life, had it all figured out. And uh, the Lord got a hold of me and said, we're going to have a little change of course here. And uh, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I think it's appropriate for tonight. Um, I remember so vividly the call. I mean, it wasn't one of these, well, it kind of feels like I should just do something good for God times of my life. This was, this was God reaching down into my heart and, and taking me out of a setting in life and saying, we're doing this now. You have a choice, Chris. Are you going to follow it or not? And so in the best way I could come up with, because no self-respecting firefighter is going to leave his job, that you just don't quit something like that. And uh, so I had all figured up in my mind that... Um, I would keep working down there in Tucson, and I would prepare for the ministry by uh, reading books. Just get some books. In the comfort of my home. Well, this is way before online days, you guys. 
And uh, we'll just do it that way. And, and I got to share my story in the local church I was attending at the time. And one of the elders in the church there, after that particular service, he kind of grabbed me by the, by the cheekbone. He says, we're going to go have some breakfast, and you're going to tell me about this call of yours. And I knew he meant business, and so we met the next morning at a Coco's restaurant, and I just, bleh, I just poured it out. And he goes, well, what are you going to do with that call? Read books. <laughs> and he, he looked at me with, with uh, it was a mixture of godly wrath and love all at the same time. And he looked at me and he says, no, you're going to Nazarene Bible College. And it was one of those things where, again, it, it, that was a defining moment in my life. When God just grabbed and said, okay, here's the next step you're going to take. And there was no argument about that. Now, what was so funny about it all? My dad was on campus at NBC from 1974 to 1977. That was when Ron was still here. <laughs> The only difference is his hair's a little grayer now, but not much, you know? So my dad was here, and I was a kid about my oldest, or my daughter's age right there. I remember all that, and it never once occurred to me that that's what I should do. And God used that as a defining moment in my life. What I want to hopefully communicate to you guys tonight, as, as one Listen, student to another. I'm still a student here. Just because I got to wear the funny hat here about 11, 12 years ago, I'm still learning. It doesn't stop. I, I, I keenly remember this phrase. Um, Dr. Garcy used to be a wonderful holiness professor here. And I remember in my senior year, in one of the classes I was taking with him, he said, gentlemen, we have prepared you for your first Sunday. You're on your own after that. <laughs> I'll never forget. And that's so true. But um, there's been plenty of times in, in the ministry, and I've been in various settings of ministry, and I really believe where God has us now up in Parker at Epic Church is, has been, it's been a road of preparation to this moment. Okay? And, but there have been times... They, they, they happened here in, on, in, in, in school, vividly in my second year. How many times I looked at my wife and I said, what's the use? I cannot do this anymore. Working a full-time job. I know none of you have ever said that. This is, just, this is weird, I know. <laughs> this is so weird. But, but saying that to her all the time, and, and there were times she'd say it to me, how much more can we take? I mean... So the stress of school, the stress of providing for a family, the stress of just making it through day after day. And, and for me, not only was it formational in my time here at school as far as learning about ministry things, but it was far more formational about learning what really trusting in God is all about. I know that's the theme here for chapel and for school this year. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge Him. Trust in Him. A passage of Scripture I want to share with you guys tonight has been particularly close to my heart because it's been very relevant in different phases of my life. And 
and in ministry and in my personal life and, and so forth. And I think this passage really represents the cry of someone who is at the end of their rope. The end of the rope. Let me, let me encourage you with something. If you think that you're on the end of your rope now, there's actually more rope. <laughs> there, is, there is more rope, okay? And there's got another knot on the end of that piece, and you'll hang on to that one for a while and, 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 and just absolutely believe that that there is the end of the rope. But then there's more rope. So that's kind of what this passage is about. It's, it's in Micah. If you brought your Bible tonight, I'd like you to turn to Micah chapter 7. And just, just digress a little bit with what's going on contextually here in this passage. Micah's what we would call one of the minor prophets. Micah was, was prophesying for the Lord for over 50 years. And it was in this really weird time in the history of, of Israel. And actually, at that time, Israel was, was divided. There was the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom Judah. He prophesied in Judah. And it was in this strange time when the kings of, of Judah just weren't following God. They just... You know, they knew God's law. They knew what they should do, but they weren't doing it. And as a result, God's judgment was being poured out upon that land. And Micah was trying to share a word with the people that, listen, you guys, we've got to get back to God's law. We've got to get back to the way he commanded us to live. But they weren't doing it. And so Micah, in this particular passage, is, is reflecting the heart of the people. What's going on particularly in Judah, Jerusalem, and all this? Just, just this anguish that they're dealing with. And so I want to pick it up in chapter 7, verse 1. What misery is mine? Oh, there's some great encouraging words to start with right there. <laughs> Woe is me. I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave, the godly have been swept from the land. Not one upright man remains. All men lie in wait to shed blood. Each hunts his brother with a net. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright worse than a thorn hedge. The day of your watchmen has come, the day God visits you. Now is the time of their confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with her who lies in your embrace, be careful for your words or of your words. For, such a, for a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are the members of his own household. And we're going to stop right there. This is bad. <laughs> if you didn't get that, this is, this is a bad scene here. He's using this metaphor of, of the crops to describe basically the things that we counted on, we can't count on it anymore. The things that we hoped for, there's nothing left to hang on to. Even those that in higher authority that we thought we could trust and depend on their wisdom, you know what, they're just conspiring together to meet their own end. And the one who's closest to me, I cannot trust. 
even my own household is no longer a safe place. This, this is bad. And, and as I read through this passage, when I first was exposed to it, I like, you know, that's, that's beyond the realm of where I am. I don't know about you guys, but you probably in your Bibles, you have passages of Scripture that you, you know, circle or underline. I don't know about you, I'm a, I'm a big margin writer, highlighter, arrow drawer. I do all that stuff in my Bible. And I especially do that to passages of Scripture where God does good things to me. Good stuff to me. And God's showing me His love and all His greatness and all. I love to highlight those passages. This is not one of them. <laughs> if you were to look in my Bible, the only mark on it is a little bracket that says, dummy, don't read over there, read over here. <laughs> There's nothing marked in this passage in my Bible. I don't like it. I don't. Because it's really close to home. I've been there. And I've come to the end of my ropes and said, God, why? I don't understand. I'll share a little quick story with you. February 13th of last year, came home from church, had a great service. We were meeting at the school, elementary school at the time. Came home, there was some snow on the ground. It was Sunday afternoon, let the dog out, let him do this. I'm just kind of standing out there, just enjoying a nice winter day. Went back in the house and something was wrong with my vision. I, you know how sometimes it's really bright outside, you don't have your sunglasses on, it takes a long time for your eyes to adjust? Well, it was like that, but it wasn't changing. And two, three hours went by. And uh, just weird vision stuff going on and, and couldn't focus and crazy, just crazy. I kind of let it go. Matter of fact, I was leading a small group that night and we went and did the small group and got through that. But just over the course of 24, 48 hours, my vision was just deteriorating. By the time I got to Thursday, I couldn't read, couldn't drive, and was just, my peripheral vision was going away. Like, what in the world's going on? Went and saw an eye doctor, and they said, well, we really don't know what's going on. We want to do some more tests. Maybe you ought to see a, a retinal specialist. So I went upstairs the next day and saw a retinal specialist, and he looked at me in about 10 minutes' time. He said, there's nothing wrong with your eyes. There's something going on upstream. I said, really? Well, nobody's ever told me that before. <laughs> Immediately went to the hospital. Found out I had three brain bleeds going on. I was having a stroke. I'm like, what? No, no, no. God, you don't get it, okay? We got this church we got to plant, okay? I got a family I got to raise. I, I, I know what I'm capable of. This is a problem. This, this is not part of my plan. And so through two different hospital stays and them trying to diagnose and words like cancer and tumors and things like this are going on, and our family is kind of doing a tailspin as far as what do we do now. My church family going, what do we do now? And I have been on a year journey still dealing with loss of vision, um, loss of, oh, here you go, control. And maybe 
again, learning all over what it means to trust in the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I walked out of this place in 2001, man, my hair was on fire. We're going to go after this thing. I'm going to go to that first church and we're going to conquer the world for Jesus, baby. Don't anything going to hold me back. Because I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. I know how strong I am. I know what my gifts are. I know what my strengths are. I can do this. I can do this. Why did it take 11 years for me to learn that lesson? I cannot. I cannot. Trust in the Lord. Now here's the hope in Micah 7. The very next verse. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. This last anchor, this last hope that's in this passage, it is absolutely pregnant with meaning. It's loaded. This isn't just, but as for me, I, I wait and hope for the Lord. God, any time. I've been praying 12 minutes now. Come on, let's go. I need to answer this. As I watch in hope for the Lord, this phrase, it's a military phrase. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it has a military meaning to it. It means to stand ready, but to stand, not run ahead of God, stand ready to receive your orders. And it carries with it this body posture that's just... You're ready. But you're waiting for the Lord. And you wait with hope. Because that's who He is. That's His nature. And so whether it's trying to get through school, trying to figure out creative ways to keep NBC going, trying to pastor a church, trying to plant a church, maybe you're thinking about the mission field, whatever it is, you're going to live a life full of Micah 7, 1 through 6. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to happen. Going to happen. But at the end of every day is verse 7. It's always there. And if you will remain, like I am still learning to remain in this, this posture of, of active waiting. I'm, God, you just give me the word. You just give it to me. I'm going to go. And sometimes that word may not come the way you want it to come. It may not come according to your plan. I think if I were to script through the first almost 47 years of my life, I would not write in stroke somewhere. I wouldn't put that in there. God has used it to teach me about Him and what waiting and watching in hope means. If there's anything I can encourage you with tonight, don't believe the lie from Satan 
that says there is no verse 7. Don't believe it. I can tell you as a brother in Christ who is in the fight with you. Verse 7 is always there. That's our God. So don't let go. Hang on to the end of the rope. There's a lot more rope. Way more rope. You'll be fine. You'll be okay. And God will use the situations in your life to say, I'm greater than those first six verses. There's always verse 7. Let me pray for you. God, thank you that um, you... Well, you never let us go. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to know, God, that when we are in the deepest pit that we think that we could ever be in, when we're in that time of just, I don't know which way, what should I do, what choice should I make, how am I going to get through this? I can't even see tomorrow. God, you're there. But at the same time, help us, Lord, by your grace, to stand and be ready and watch in hope for you. To posture our spirits in such a way that no matter how crushing it may get, no matter how the first six verses of our life may be coming together, there is always verse 7. You are always there. You will always hear us. You will always come through if we will just watch in hope. You can handle that, Lord. And I pray that we would allow that process to just unfold in our lives. And there's blessing and direction and power that comes with it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. I thank you for this, this group of students and, and staff and faculty that are here. You know what every one of them are going through. You are very aware of their hurts, their burdens, their questions, the struggles. You're very aware of it, Lord. You have not left them. Some of them, God, have very specific needs in their life tonight. And Lord, may you give them your spirit who is the great provider who is the great counselor, who is the great leader, who is the great deliverer. Give your spirit, Lord Jesus. And that's enough. That's enough. Thank you, God, for this wonderful time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to leave you with some good news. A week ago Friday, I went to the Department of Motor Vehicle and I took my driver's test all over again, and I did the vision test, and I got my license back. Yes! <laughs> so I'm driving a little bit, so thank the Lord for that. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great evening. Yeah.